Hello and welcome to our show, We're Talking Golf. My name is Douglas Meda and I'm your host for today's episode. Today's show is being recorded from our studio in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. We are produced by the World of Golf and you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.worldofgolf.org. Or you can also find us on our social media channels of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For those of you in Asia or elsewhere uh, with additional social media apps, you can also find us on Weibo and the WeChat apps. Now, before we get into today's show, I'd like to take this time again to welcome you, our listeners and followers from around the world that listen to our show. Without you and your support, we would not be able to bring you this show. So thank you so much for your ongoing support. Joining us today will be a very special guest. Uh, professional LPGA player, Bianca Pagdananan from the LPGA. But before we get to our guest, uh, we have some other golf news to bring you. At the PGA Tours Mayakobi event in Mexico, Victor Hovland birdied the last hole to capture his second win of the season by one stroke over Aaron Wise. Meanwhile, on the LPGA, hometown favorite Angela Stafford shot one of the best rounds on Sunday a four under 67 to win the VOA Volunteers of America Classic at the Colony in Texas. Next up for the best players in women's golf is to now head down the highway to Houston and the host club, the Champions Golf Club, for the hosting of the 75th U.S. Women's Open. And it is with that uh, championship in mind that we'll be speaking with our next guest, Bianca Pagdananan, who will be joining us from Dallas, Texas on Zoom as our special guest. Now, before we get to that, a brief word from our sponsor. You're listening to our podcast show, We're Talking Golf. Our show is produced by the World of Golf. You can find us on the web at www.worldofgolf.org. The World of Golf is an independent digital media company. You can find our podcast show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Now back to our show, here is your host. Douglas Maida and his guest Bianca Pagdanganan. Thank you for staying with us. We're back now, so let's get right to our guest. Bianca Pagdanganan is one of the hottest players in golf today. She's quickly become known for her booming tee shots, with some of them reaching distances of over 300 yards. She leads the LPGA in driving, averaging approximately 286 yards. She was the top rookie at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship held earlier this year in Aronimic. Bianca is originally from the Philippines, and not only is she becoming a, a national sports celebrity in her home country, but in the entire golfing world. So welcome to the show, Bianca. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> oh, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. We're so glad you can make the time out of your busy schedule. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I have anything else to do. Like, oh. it's just golf practice. Yeah, so, you know, I have that's the life. That's the life of professional golfer, though, right? It's all about time management. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Bianca, let's start a little bit about um, your golf background in uh, in the Philippines. Um, I've seen some photos of you being a, as a little girl out there hitting the ball and uh, learning to play the game. I mean, how did you? Was it your father, family, relatives? Was there? How did you get into picking up the game? So my dad was an avid golfer when I was growing up 
and I remember him playing golf a lot on the weekends and on, I had no idea what golf was I was just like hey dad like what do you do on the weekends because I remember him like leaving really early and then like probably like after lunch he'd be home so I'd be like, where'd you come from what you do I'll say like oh I played golf and I'm like what's golf like we drop him off at the golf course and I'd be like oh I'll see you later I'm like okay and I was like in the Philippines like obviously like there was a bag drop but the place where my dad used to play you couldn't really see the golf course from where the backdrop was. So I was like, what does he do? Like, what is this thing? So there was one time he brought me to the driving range and then I was just watching him hit a couple of shots. And then I remember him hitting his driver. And honestly, that's like the one thing I remember. I was like watching him. I was like, wow, that's so cool. Like my dad hits it so far. And then after that, I started bugging him. I was like, can you get me my own like set of clubs? I think I started out with a plastic set. So like every time he would come home from work, I'd be like, where's my plastic set? Where's my plastic set? And then he'd be like, oh, like I promise I'll get you one. And then he got me a set. And then I just started hitting around the house. And then mom wasn't happy when I started hitting, you know, random things. So she was probably like, "Uh, take it outside. Like you're not doing this in here. And then I think when I was around seven, or I don't know, it was like in 2005, he enrolled me at a summer youth camp at Camp Aguinaldo, which is a military course. And it was like super close to our house. So he enrolled me and my sister actually at a youth, youth camp. And that was the start. Like I had a lot of fun. Like I made a lot of friends and I enjoyed it, especially like when I played with my sister, we got pretty competitive. I don't think she knows that, but like I was really competitive. I wanted to get after her. And that was it. Like, I enjoyed it. I had so much fun. So that was the start. <laughs> uh, was there much of a junior program in uh, in the Philippines? I mean, there was. But I remember at that time when I was young, there weren't that many junior golfers. Like, I did meet a lot of kids at that youth camp. But then none of them really, you know, wanted to pick up the sport. It was more of like a summer thing. But then I enjoyed it, especially, you know, having my sister by my side and then my dad knowing the game. But yeah, they're definitely junior programs and it's gotten a lot better through the years, especially as I got older. So it was a lot of fun. Like Mm -hmm. when more kids started joining, I made more friends and yeah. Oh, cool. Is, um, in your opinion, do you see golf growing as a sport in the Philippines? Definitely. I think the Junior Golf Foundation of the Philippines has done such a great job through the years and the National Golf Association. So honestly, it feels great. You know, I mean, I didn't have that much when I was growing up. So I f- I'm happy for all the junior golfers who are starting to pick up the sport. Like they have more opportunities, more tournaments to play. And I, I definitely think it's grown a lot just comparing how it was during my time it makes me sound so old it's like oh yeah back in the days but it really wasn't that long ago but <laughs> just looking back and seeing how much progress there's been and you know a lot of my friends have like played college golf and that's a lot of fun because a lot of the younger kids now like when I talk to them I'm like oh yeah like it's something interesting and something that I want to do. So it's just nice to see that there are more kids picking up the sport and that they have other players to look up to, you know, who are part of that program. Terrific. Terrific. Um, and it even got to a point that uh, when you had the Asian games and the Southeast Asian games, I understand uh, you had a bit of a Filipino dream team 
<laughs> it was like me, Lois, and Yuka. Yuka. Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. There was definitely a lot of pressure coming into the Asian games. I feel like there were high expectations for us, but at the same time, you know, it all matters on, or it all depends on how you take that pressure and how you, I don't, I enjoy the pressure for some reason. I don't know, it makes me really nervous. But at the same time, it's something that excites me. It's like, that's where I get my energy from when I play. I'm like, oh, this is fun, exciting. But yeah, uh, dream, dream team. I mean, Yuka and Lois are two really solid players too. And I'm really happy with how Yuka's playing right now, especially after she turned pro. She's doing great on tour. And then Lois is, I think she still has one more year. But it's yeah. just a lot of fun playing in Asian games and just competing with you know the best amateur players in asia so it was a great opportunity and just being able to represent the philippines on that stage as an amateur was it was amazing yeah yeah and then you had a little bit of success uh, capturing the individual gold medal last year <laughs> the southeast asian games that was also one way to end my amateur career especially back home i had my whole family and all my, I think, I think those, all my high school friends came out to watch. And I think that was like the first like big tournament they ever like saw or watched live, which was, uh, it was really meaningful. I just seeing them like on the sides walking. I know that most of them weren't really like a fan of the sun. They would probably <laughs> stay indoors, but they were out there watching and supporting me. So that really meant a lot, but. I don't know. The support just gets really overwhelming sometimes and just really grateful for everything that's come along. Yeah. Uh, Which country hosted the Southeast Asian Games? Was it in the Philippines? Yeah, we hosted the Southeast Asian Games in the Philippines. It was in Tarlac. So it was like up north, a little north of Manila. I think it was probably a two hour drive. But yeah, a lot of my family and friends came out to watch us. I was like a little embarrassed because they (laughs) were walking around in a shirt that said Team Bianca. And I was like, why would you do that? (laughs) It was, it was like a huge, I don't, I mean, you probably know how big Filipino families are. So I probably had like 15 people, just my family, not even my friends included, like in Team Bianca shirts. I don't know them. (laughs) This is embarrassing. (laughs) So you had Tito and Tita and, they all show yeah, up. titas and titas are everywhere. My Lola was there, so <laughs> that was really nice and fun. <laughs> um, Bianca, I think it's safe to say that your first major introduction to um, the golfing public in North America was your participation in the 2018 NCAA playoffs. Um, that was quite, I mean, so many of us watched it, and it was quite the uh, fantastic run that uh, you and the rest of the team managed to pull together and uh, it was a fantastic final with, uh, I believe it was Alabama that you, that you were up against and yeah. they had a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think they were the number one ranked team in the uh, country for most of the year. And then they, they ran into the solid team. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was, I think all three teams you we went up against are all amazing teams. So we went up against UCLA, Stanford and Alabama. Like those three schools were like packed with, great players like all five from each team were just great so it was oh my god it was I remember it being very draining mentally draining I was 
I don't know. I didn't really feel tired throughout the week. It was probably my adrenaline that was like <laughs> pumping my energy throughout the week. Like I was like, I'm not tired. Like I can carry my bag for 30 seconds. It's not going to be a problem. But then, you know, when you get back to your hotel room, like you just slide down and it's not the physical that really bothers you, but it's mostly like the mental part of the game that kind of tires you out. But, you know, it's nice that you get to learn from those experiences and you're given those opportunities on like bigger stages where you get to see how you play when you're faced with those circumstances. But yeah, it was, oh my gosh, I remember everything clearly and definitely a highlight of my college career. It was always my goal to go to nationals as a team and hopefully win a national title and we got it done my first year at Arizona. So that's something I'll always remember. Yeah, isn't that quite the uh, incredible? That was so incredible to watch. Uh, just from a fan's perspective, um, we noticed, you know, I mean, we could see that uh, you and the team had uh, the momentum. You know, we talk about momentum in sports mm-hmm. all the time. And it was like, wow, yeah. the momentum was really building for, for you and the rest of the team just going and yeah. going. And like you said, you know, Stanford, UCLA, and uh, and then uh, Alabama, Alabama in the final. And it was like, wow, just incredible. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You know, it, you don't really understand. Like, you can watch it on TV, but once you actually experience it, it's a different, it's a whole nother level. You know, the last round of stroke play wasn't our best round. We did not play great golf, and that was fine. You know, after getting into that playoff, Actually, after I made my putt, I didn't even know what that putt meant until I got to the scoring tent. And one of the girls I played with looked at me and said, oh, you know, you just got your, your team into a playoff. And I was like, playoff for what? <laughs> like, we were already in the top eight going into this round. And then I found out the whole thing, whatever happened, we were, like, tied for eight. So I go to the driving range. I gather my team, and we're just, like, talking. And I said this is our chance and we can't mess this up. Like we're going to ride this wave m- momentum and adrenaline that we have. And we're going to, we're going to kill this whole like week. We got this. And it's nice. Cause you know, you could feel the same intensity or level of energy from all of them, even without saying anything. And it definitely showed, you know, throughout the week and everyone started playing great. And it was just, it's amazing. It's, it was a such a great experience. Yeah, yeah. Do you um keep in touch with uh many of the um your fellow players from the team, or like keep in touch with say Yuka and a couple of the others as well? Yeah, definitely. I still talk to a lot of them. Like, well, not as much. I don't really talk to Yuka that much because I feel like we're both pretty busy. If anything, it's more of like, oh, hey, congrats on playing well this week, or good luck in your next tournament. But, you know, I get to talk to Lois and my teammate, Abby, from the Southeast Asian Games. And then my teammates from college. I still definitely keep in touch. I see Haley out here. Right. You know, right. I still message my other teammates from time to time. Like, you saw, I, I was pretty close with you, Sam, and, like, all the other girls. So, it was, like, we had, I had great relationships with all these girls. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's an experience that you share, that's for sure. You take with you the yeah, rest of your life. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um. Let's talk a little bit about uh, you coming to the LPGA. Uh, you had a your first. Uh, would it be fair to say that you had a, a bit of a um, 
a qualifying process that you probably had uh, not what you expected per se. And uh, so that kind of changed your priority a little bit. Was that a, you know, how did you feel about that? Was it uh, a bit of a challenge? Were you uh, encouraged by it? Were you just, uh, hey, you know what? I got some status. So that's what I set my goals to be and I achieved it or? Definitely. I think it's some, again, like it's a matter of perspective and how you're going to take it. Like this year wasn't really the year we were expecting. <laughs> and I mean, obviously all of us were going through a hard time and it just depends on how you take it, like I said. But wait, are you talking about like the whole Q series or jumping into the L- like LPGA? The entire, entire process. I mean, um, as I understand it, your priority meant that you weren't on automatic to get into every tournament that you wanted. You had to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, like I remember last year at Q series, I didn't play my best on the last round, which kind of stung a bit. But then, you know, after three stages of Q school, that was like very stressful and just, I don't know, like mentally and physically exhausting you know, getting through third stage and like earning your LPGA card was still such a great achievement for me and probably not the ending or the final round that I wanted. But like I said, it all depends on how you take it. I mean, after that, I was like, well, you know, I'm probably going to have, I have status. I'm going to get into some events. I'm just going to have to work hard and try my best to play good golf. And well, last year, you know, my mindset was like, oh, if I don't get to certain events, I can always do Monday qualifiers. But then, you know, this whole COVID thing happened and then everyone had to adjust to the new schedule. And I was like, okay, so another challenge in the way, but you, you just have to take it as it is and try to see what you can do and work with what you have. So yeah, like I said, this year wasn't what we all expected it. I feel like I played in more events than I thought I was going to be able to play it play in so I think that's kind of a good thing but I think so far it's been it's been an okay year in terms of like how I'm playing on on tour (laughs) I was gonna say just okay (laughs) yeah I guess I don't know every time I'm asked something I have this I don't I don't know why but I always said oh it's okay like I'm okay and it's not (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> just weird. I'm like, it's not great. It's not bad. It's okay. <laughs> I don't know. That's just a me thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Were you, um, during the uh, COVID break, were you, use, uh, were you using San Diego as your home base and uh, just stayed in the uh, U.S.? You didn't go back to the Philippines to visit or anything? You, uh, you did No, stay. I didn't. Yeah, I was just in San Diego the whole time. I like originally I think we were planning to go home around June or July but then you know this whole COVID situation kind of made things a little bit more complicated like let's say maybe if I get into a tournament like I have to consider at the time like a 14-day quarantine and that's just a lot of time to consider like if I went home I probably I'd have to quarantine so I'd probably be with my family for like a week and then I'd have to leave just a lot enough time for the 14 days. But yeah, I was just in San Diego using the backyard as a driving range. And, you know, it was tough, you know, just being at home, you had to find things to do. So yeah, there, we set up a, 
driving range and the backyard, you know, there was just a net and then I bought a swing caddy. So at least like I get to work on my distances. I, I wasn't just hitting balls towards the net, you know, there was right. still some sort of purpose, but it was definitely challenging. It was a lot of working out and golf and yeah. call of duty on the side, not, not on the side. Call of duty was, <laughs> was definitely in that schedule. <laughs> yeah. That's working on the mental yeah. aspect of uh, preparation yeah, and whatnot, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Just looking back at like what was going on through quarantine, I don't think people understand how hard it is, you know, to get yourself to practice when you're at home. It's so different than being, you know, out on the course. Let's say if you normally practice for four hours, it's like you can divide your time on the different aspects of your game you can go to the putting green and spend like an hour and a half and then another hour on the driving range you know it doesn't get boring but when you're at home it's like you're just doing the same thing over and over again you're hitting to a net if you want to practice your putting you have a putting mat it's like you have one line like you can't even play with your line like you can't put left to like you can't hit left to right putts right to left like down it's all flat so I think one thing that kind of helped was you know it kind of made me a little bit tougher on the mental side you know trying to make sure that I'm focusing on my practice and I'm not just hitting balls just to let the time pass by or just to say that I've practiced for an hour there was still some sort of like I said you know some sort of purpose right in my in my practice yeah yeah oh excellent excellent that's a very (laughs) difficult way to have to deal with the adversity but uh, you seem to have done quite well yeah um I was going to say, in one of these days, we uh, be great to see you get some sponsorship, like uh, and get yourself a putt view set up in the backyard there. Uh, <laughs> those with all the different, you can use the lasers, and they got all the terrain. Oh yeah, and the slopes. Yeah, and... that'll be that'll be pretty cool. I might not never leave the house then, but. <laughs> 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 um. So, what was your first event back after the break? Hmm. the drive on at Inverness okay okay that's right first event yeah (laughs) right that's right yeah um and how did you find it was it a bit of an adjustment for you after that kind of a layoff or you know not having a whole but much in the way of competitive rounds leading up to it it was definitely hard just trying you know throughout the break obviously you had to it was more on trying to be prepared for whatever event was going to come up. Like I had no idea what my first event was going to be, but I had to be prepared in case I got into a tournament, you know, just talking about my status, but it was definitely quite the adjustment. Like I wasn't able to play much golf, which was really tough. Like I was kind of nervous, you know, when you're playing regular regularly, you don't really think about playing three days straight. But when you're stuck at home for how many months without doing anything besides working out, you know, that helps. But at the same time, it's still different when you're out there walking 18 holes, like every day, every other day. So it was quite the adjustment, especially knowing that my last competitive round was probably, I think it was like November. And, you know, like I said, it's a lot of, it's not just the physical, but the mental and just trying to tell yourself to, you know, be prepared, like, for anything yeah be prepared for anything that happens so for with Inverness being my first event 
it was pretty challenging. Inverness wasn't really the easiest course. <laughs> it was, it was like the hilliest, flattest golf course, I, I'd say. And it was like a Lynx course and it like rained a little bit, but it was still a lot of fun. You know, your first event is probably something you're always going to remember. Right. And the fact that I made the cut, I was just like, oh my gosh, I made the cut on my first event. So that's something that, you know, kind of motivates you, mm-hmm. especially like moving forward to like, then I got into the, mar- or I was in the marathon too, the week after. So it was a good, it was a good two weeks. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was a great experience. Excellent. Um, Then October came along and the KPMG Women's PGA Championship. You, um, it seems like everybody had a rough first round, but. um... (laughs) Rough. Understatement for me, I would say. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I, I was so nervous. (laughs) it was it was my first major and I was like okay it's fine I I don't remember I think it was like a two week or a week break from like the last event and I was like a little bit nervous I was like I'm playing in my first major as a pro and I'm a rookie like it's okay relax like you got this just treat it like any other tournament you know try to feel calm and then I I think I just like was overthinking throughout the whole first round, which is something I do not do. I, I play much better when, you know, I don't think. I just swing and I hit the ball. And it's kind of funny because my dad figured that out right after, because spectators weren't allowed on the first round. So my dad was waiting in the car. And then I walked back and he's like, oh, oh, how was it? And I was like, dad, I was so nervous. Like, and I started talking to him. And I started mentioning all these technical terms that, again, is not my thing. I'm a field player. Mm-hmm. So I started telling him, like, oh, my goodness, dad, like, I was blocking it right. I was doing this thing. You know, I know what goes on in my swing, but it's not really something that I usually think about. Like, you know, I know when I miss it right. I know how to correct it. So I think throughout the round, I was focusing on that too much. And I, was, I saw my dad, and he just looks at me and says, why are you thinking like this is not your game like just look at your target and hit it there so I was like okay you know I have one more round I'm still you know there's a cut after 36 right. holes you know yeah. I'm not out of it yet and I felt a lot more calm on the second round and I shot five under <laughs> I remember again oh okay side going back so after i think it was after the first round we got an email saying that we were allowed to have two spectators for the weekend and that deep uh, when i read that email deep inside i was like i'm not gonna like i want to play the weekend on my first major and i want my dad to see that and my i think it was my aunt who was there yeah my aunt was there and it's like yeah i want them to be able to see me play so that was like one of the motivations and goals I had for the week. So I was like, okay, just play your game. Don't think, just swing, look at your target and swing it. And then the second round, like that's what I tried to do. And I shot five under, bogey free. <laughs> and it was like, I never would have thought this would happen like yesterday, <laughs> but I played great and I got myself into the weekend. So. 
And it then was, uh, it was crazy. And then you repeated it the very next day. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this seems to be working well. Me not thinking, <laughs> just hitting the ball. Look at your target, hit it there. You know, when you think about it, I'm like, why do you make it seem so easy? I don't know, when you're just calm and relaxed and you're having fun, like everything seems to go smoothly. Like you just enjoy, you have fun and you don't even notice what's going on. So like after the round, I look at my scorecard, I'm like, ooh, no bogeys. <laughs> this is nice. <laughs> like two rounds in a row. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah and I was able to put, my, put myself in a good position and yeah, it was a great first major. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was. I remember asking you the question mm -hmm. after the uh, fourth round, uh, what your uh, goal was going into it. And I asked you if you were thinking about the U.S., the U.S. Women's Open, because I, you know, a bunch of us were calculating. It's like, oh, you could do this if you get top 10, you'd be in. <laughs> uh, I had I liked, no idea. It was... No, I, yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I liked your uh, your answer. It was very much uh, very focused and, you know, I, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. And it's just, I'm going to play yeah. and, and do the best I can. And this is it. And Yeah, no, it was good. That was very of good. Of course, Yeah. <laughs> So uh, oh looking back on KPMG, um, what would you say was the biggest thing that you take away from that experience? I guess it's more of just trying to stick to your own game. Like, don't, like, you know, I said that I like pressure, but at the same time, you know, there's like, you have to draw the line when you, when it comes to pressure, it's either you, you know, take it as it is, you try to enjoy that. But I think the first day, if there's anything I learned, you know, I put too much pressure on myself too. Like I had right. so much expectations, you know, play well, it's your first major. I think I gave too much emphasis on that, but it kind of got to me. Like I was mm -hmm. really nervous. Like, I don't remember the last time I was that nervous. And I mean, it's fine. And it's, it's okay to be nervous. It's like normal. And I remember, you know, I, our team captain, I think it was like during Asian games, I was telling him, like, I'm so nervous. And I don't remember being this nervous, like for any other event. And he said, you know, it's okay to be nervous. Cause when you're nervous, that means it matters. You know, it's important to you. So there's an, yeah, if anything, I learned how to handle my nerves a little bit better right, right. and just try to play your own game and don't try to make something happen, you know, don't try to force things to happen. You just have to trust yourself, your own game. And that's when, you know, things will follow. Things will come along. Yeah. Yeah. That was terrific. You did, uh, played wonderfully at the KPMG. So that was great. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> so Bianca, you're playing this week in Dallas at the, uh, Volunteers of America Classic and Houston next week. Are you, coming into this with any sort of goals and what you'd like to prepare for um, or are you just approaching the the VOA classic as you know this is an event I'm gonna go out and play the best I can and, and get myself feeling really confident for the for Houston or are there certain situations and scenarios that you're keeping in mind that you'd like to maybe um, focus on a little bit in preparation for next week I feel like I have the same approach for every tournament just because I try to, you know, keep in mind that any tournament I play is an important tournament. So, you know, coming into this week, I guess, you know, with the U.S. Open too, that's coming up next, is it next week? Oh my gosh, I have no 
concept of weeks anymore. <laughs> but yeah, in a couple of <laughs> sorry, but in a couple of weeks, you know, definitely this tournament. I hope it like helps build up my confidence for, you know, like I said, the U.S. Open. I guess I'm also going to use it as like an event to hopefully help sharpen my game a little bit more. But you know, yeah, it's I try to have the same approach to every tournament. I apply the same pressure that I enjoy. Not too much though. I have to learn how to handle that, but or manage that rather. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I just don't like the mindset of you know just because it's a regular tournament, you're gonna treat it any less than a major. I don't. I don't like that. It's. I try to prepare for every tournament like how, just like they're all the same. Give the same level of importance, and I think that's like a good mindset to have. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. Um. Do you have any goals that you'd like to accomplish in Houston or are you, are you just kind of taking it uh, along one day at a time, one shot at a time kind of approach? I'm definitely a one shot at a time kind of person. I, I don't like getting ahead of myself. Like that's something that I try to practice, especially when I'm out on the course, you know, everything goes, I, I try to take it shot by shot every single time. I try my very best to stay in the present mm -hmm. all the time i do anything i can just to do that whether it's eating drinking water breathing exercises or like i don't know tapping my fingers which is kind of my thing you know just to know that i'm staying present but yeah i just don't like getting ahead of myself just because it doesn't really help me that much i just need to put like a hundred percent to the shot that i'm about to hit <laughs> right right do you ever find yeah. yourself second guessing yourself when you're on course or is it just a matter of you know what I'm just going to start focusing on my very next shot I think that's more of a kind of clear that I am you know if I hit a bad shot it's just like well hit a bad shot but you know I have another shot to make which I can definitely I can probably hit it better you know still try to save par right but right. Yeah, it's more of a, I kind of try, I try to forget about the bad shot that I just hit. Cause what's the, what's the use of like dwelling on something that right. already happened. Right. So right. I try to, you know, move on from that. I don't know. It's just, there's no point on getting frustrated over something that just happened. And it was definitely something that I had to work on through the years. It's not, you know, handling your emotions out on the course is something that you have to work on. It's not some, I don't know, some, maybe some players, figure that out pretty early but for me it's more like a learning process which I think I've grown so much as a player and I don't know like looking at how I play I feel very proud of like how I'm able to manage my emotions and how I'm able to bounce back on like the next few holes or the next few shots that I hit so right. it's definitely very yeah. very important yeah, well, it's very impressive being able to stay in the moment like that and and uh, not dwelling on what just happened, nor focusing too yeah. much on, on what's happening out in the future, right? So, Yeah, yeah, Excellent. definitely. Staying present is so important. It's like you have to pay attention to all the elements. Like you already have so much to think about when you're about to hit your shot. Right. So what's the use of adding more thoughts in your head, especially if it just happened? Like, forget it you have you can't do anything about it anymore just move on right right um bianca 
Let's talk a little bit about your game per se, your, the physical part of your game. Uh, what would you say the best part of your game is? My long game, I guess. <laughs> My drives. Okay. I was going to say that's, per- <laughs> that's probably the most obvious uh, question and answer. Uh, yeah, yes. Let's take that out of the equation because you're, you're uh, exceptional with your driving. After you're driving, what do you think the best part of your game is? Or the most enjoyable oh. part, for that matter. And okay, so greatest part of my game and enjoyable part are probably two different things. Yeah, <laughs> I really enjoy putting. Like I love my putter. It may not be great all the time, but I enjoy my putter. It's probably my second favorite club in the bag. I'll sing as you use yeah, it the most like too. I, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, like I said, you know, you can enjoy it most of the time, but it won't be great all the time <laughs> until you master how to put well mm-hmm. which is something i'm trying to work on <laughs> so yeah, i'd definitely say my putter yeah um is there a part of the uh of your game that you um really like to work on and, and are trying to maybe um get to a point where you can excel at it a little more definitely short game work on my wedges a little bit more if i can hit it close you know get better at striking distance that would definitely help my game especially you know when if I hit my drive good and I'm left with like a shorter club in those are like really important crucial shots you know especially if you can get a little bit closer give yourself more chances for birdies or just you know to make more putts I'd definitely say probably my wedges and just striking the ball better (laughs) getting the distances down dialing in those distances a little bit yeah definitely yeah Yeah. exactly dialing distances yep that's that's it (laughs) (laughs) uh let me ask you a question about playing match play i mean obviously you hit the ball very very well are there occasions where you step up to the tee um and you think to yourself you really want to let one rip just because uh you want to make a statement in the uh in the match play format and kind of uh, put the other person on the back foot a little bit, or is that just kind of, or do you just kind of avoid that kind of thought process and say, you're just going to worry about yourself? If it's match play, then probably, I think match play just brings out the competitive <laughs> in you. And I would say, okay, I'm not just speaking for myself, but I'm pretty sure that's how most people feel about right. match play. Right. Match play is just a different game and I enjoy it, especially as a competitive person. <laughs> it's, Sometimes, you know, I have that thought, especially if it's, it's like the fairway is wide open. Oh, my gosh. It's like the perfect setup for a good drive. I'm like, you know, I feel very confident right now. And I just let one rip in. <laughs> it's happened. I'm going to be honest, but it has happened. And, you know, sometimes I can't avoid that thought. But, you know, you know I'm still in control of my game. Like when I know that I have to hit a safe shot. I still definitely stick to that. But, you know, if I can be aggressive, if I can hit a good one, if I want to rip one, then I probably would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So kind of goes back to the uh, competitive days playing with your sister. Huh? Oh, my goodness. It was so funny just growing up with my sister. And she used to hit it further than me because she was a lot. She was older than me, obviously, and a lot taller. So I remember after we'd go to the driving range, I'd go to my dad and be like, Dad, what's the longest I hit today? Or my sister would probably ask first, Dad, what's the longest drive I hit today? And Dad would say, like, oh, 120. And be like, what about me? What's the longest drive that I hit? And my dad would be like, 100 yards. And then 
that was like my first goal when I was younger to get it 100 yards because like three digits those are so cool like if you get 100 (laughs) yards like you're a marketer for me (laughs) I was I don't know like eight nine maybe I don't don't think I got it to 100 when I was that young but anyway yeah it was I think that's when I got even more competitive and then I started catching up to my sister so I was like getting there (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, that's good that's good I have sisters too and we're always back and forth and it's always that really? little bit of competitive yeah. spirit. Well, you know, I, I like to tease my... It's normal. Yeah, I like to tease my younger sister saying I was the best competitor she had because she was always trying so hard to beat me and she became such a <laughs> good athlete in her own right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. That's very true. So thank <laughs> you to my sister for making me more competitive than I already am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrific. Um, so after... Dallas, um, you're just going to head straight down to Houston and start. Do you have any strategy on, you know, I mean, because Thursday and Friday, they're playing two courses because of the daylight issue. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be playing Jackrabbit. Yeah. You're going to be playing Cypress. Um, any sort of game plan as to how you're going to tackle that and, you know, getting your practice rounds in? I mean, I've already signed up for um, practice rounds. So I think I've had it all listed down. I feel like most people did the same thing. I think, I don't even remember what I signed up for. I think I might play obviously one course twice. I think it's Cypress and then Jackrabbit once. But, you know, like I said, you got to do what you can with what you have. So I'm probably just going to take a little bit more time when I'm out in Jackrabbit and just try to learn the course as much as I can in one round, which, you know, that's something I learned in college too. Like when you play a course, you only have one practice round. So it was definitely something I benefited from. I was able to, I don't know, just learning how to maximize the time that you have on the course and trying to learn from one practice round. And that that kind of helped me, especially with my transition to call or professional golf. I mean, we have more practice rounds now, which is, which is great. But, you know, it was still a big help, especially like this for this instance, I'm only going to be able to play Jackrabbit one. So yeah, yeah. I'll yeah. see what I can do. Yeah. Okay. Terrific. Um, Bianca, I'd love to be able to uh, visit with you a lot longer. I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot more topics we could get into <laughs> and uh, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd like to thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule and whatnot to uh, yeah, be with us course. for the show. So um <laughs> You know, Thank you, you for believe- having me. Oh, it's our pleasure, Bianca. I mean, you wouldn't believe uh, via the Facebook and some of the email messages I'm getting, you know, a lot of, uh, as I mentioned to you at the top of the show, uh, a lot of our listeners and followers are from the Philippines and they're always like, get Bianca, get Bianca, get Bianca. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Their support is overwhelming, but yeah. you know, I'm really blessed and grateful to have such a great support system and I mean, I take honor and pride in representing the country. So I'm just really thankful for everyone's support. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you keep it up. You're doing fantastic. You know, pretty soon Thank you're going to you. be up there with the Manny Pacquiao status. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> He's quite a national the treasure. Athlete to follow. Oh gosh. <laughs> all right, Bianca. Thank you so much again. Uh, and all the best in uh, Dallas and all the best, even more so in Houston. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure doing this podcast. It was a lot of fun. So thank you again for having me. Well, thank you. Thank you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes our show for today. Um, 
we're very proud and happy that we could bring you Bianca Pagdananan, uh, as I mentioned. So many of our listeners have written in by email, have contacted us, reached out on Facebook, um, just basically asking to do a little bit of a feature and introduce our audience to Bianca. Um, So we wish her all the best. Uh, She's just concluded her event in Dallas, and she's on her way now down to Houston for a really big week, and we wish her all the best. So thank you for listening into our podcast, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Till then, have a great day, and remember to keep the ball on the short grass. You are listening to We're Talking Golf, produced by the World of Golf. This episode was recorded on December 2nd, 2020. If you have an idea for a future show, please let us know by sending an email to us at info at worldofgolf.org. Please include podcast show in the subject line. This show is the copyright of the world of golf. Thank you for listening. Thank you.